Hello friends and welcome to the show. You know, as the boss, you've got a lot of pressure and stress on you right now because you are managing in a workforce that's probably been dispersed and in many cases is very much unlike what happened before COVID-19. Now, assuming we all survive this virus, at some point we're all going to have to go back to what the new normal is. And as the boss, you have to be prepared for a lot of changes and certainly a lot of challenges. I know this is going to be something you're going to task your HR department with, but I think you need to figure it out as well for yourself. Our guest today is Yolanda Hunter. Now, Yolanda works with a group called Workplace HR. They're affiliated with the law firm Fortney Scott. It's a woman-owned law firm with nationally recognized attorneys, and they provide comprehensive legal counsel and advice to employers. I had a great conversation with her and we talked about some of the things that bosses are going to need to know about and trust me, there's some stuff you never thought you'd have to worry about and you will. So my suggestion is listen carefully to this, make sure you're taking notes. If you can get your HR department on with you, they ought to be listening to it too. A lot you need to know and a lot you will have no excuse not to know. So you know what to do. Sit down, buckle up, it's time to roll. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. I had a really good conversation the other day with a friend of mine, uh, Ken, and we were going to try to figure out answers. And what we really came down to is that the only way to deal with the ambiguity is just come up with better questions. Right. And right now, I think that's about the best case scenario. So Yolanda, your background is, tell us what it is, because you got kind of a wide range of background that brought you to where you are today. So take us to the beginning. Uh oh. <laughs> and why? And walk us to where you are today, because where you are today is where a lot of us need to be tuned into. Well, if we're going to start from the beginning, I'll be very, very brief, I promise. Um, believe it or not, um, when I when I started working, um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I wanted to be a litigator, and, um, and that was a focus. And I started working in law firms, and that quickly changed. <laughs> so... <laughs> That quickly changed, and uh, but I found that I was more so drawn to dealing with the workers and interacting with people, um, which at that time period, and not telling my age, but at that time period, it was more so viewed as the personnel departments um, and and personnel individuals. Um, HR at that time period was not as didn't have as many layers as what it has today. I mean, human resources has many, many layers, many focal points, many special disciplines that people can just focus upon as their, you know, one area of discipline for their specialty for career. Um, So I had the good fortune of working with great, great, great mentors, great office administrators in various law firms and nonprofits. And, um, of course, through education, through certifications and 
um, and just through growth and working in these various fields, um, my knowledge base definitely increased. And um, and of course, and I, and I love the, the world of human resources um, because it allowed you to have a touch point across and up and down the organization and, um, and you're problem solving in some degrees. And then you're also being strategic um, in, in some areas as well. So, um, but what got me to where I am today is I, I've just remained on the path and, um, and have always ensured that I had positions that allowed me to continue to grow um, in human resources and to grow in various disciplines. So what is the project you're on right now? Tell us about Workplace HR. Well, Workplace HR is the affiliate of the law firm Fortney Scott. And Fortney Scott is headquartered in Washington, D.C. It's a woman-owned law firm with nationally recognized attorneys who provide a lot of comprehensive uh, legal counsel and advice to employers on varying um, employment matters. Great, great group of attorneys to work with. Um, truly hands-on as it relates to staying on top of all of these right now, especially with COVID-19, with all of these uh, changing regulations. Um, and we are focusing upon it almost on a daily basis. Um, and so where Workplace HR comes in, Workplace HR comes in as the affiliate with Fortney Scott and dealing with the HR side with our clients, um, man- managing the HR issues, be it policy reviews, uh, dealing with compliance, wage and hour, um, all sorts of things that will fall under that human resources umbrella, um, HR steps in. So it's a very good let's say marriage, so to speak, because you have your legal side and then you have the HR um, administrative side, which is extremely important. Um, I think sometimes uh, clients tend to forget when they're dealing with certain aspects of their workplace that there is an HR component and um, that needs to have a focus on and that's where workplace HR steps in. It's great. It sounds like a really good advocate. You know, one of the things that when I speak at these HR conferences you hear over and over from the HR professionals that in many cases they're they're overworked, overstressed, and in many cases underappreciated. And back before COVID-19, you know, one of the biggest goals is I want to get a seat at the table. I want to get a seat at the table. Now it seems like they're being dragged to the table and now they're expected to be able to spit out something that's useful. And I don't know about you. I mean, I know a lot of things. I know very little about how we're going to do our day-to-day work with COVID-19, much less reintegrate the workplace once we figure a handle on this thing, which I don't even know if it'll happen. There are so many unknowns now, Yolanda. And, And I know the folks listening to this today are probably thinking, well, you're preaching to the choir. I guess what I would like to know from you, from your background, your perspective, the circles you run in, you know, what are some things that we need to be focusing on now, during the midst of the pandemic, we'll go ahead and date stamp today is May 1st, 2020. But let's just pretend that in, and I have no time frame here, don't take me seriously, but let's just say that by September 1st, we are, we got this figured out. There's a vaccine coming shortly. We'll be going back to normal. I want you to also think about and help us project what to be expecting when we go back to whatever new normal looks like. 
I know that's a lot. And if you have the right answers, I'm going to make some calls and get you on the evening news. Oh, you, can, you can stand there next to Dr. Fauci. How's that? Oh, whoa, my gosh. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> <laughs> the ratings to the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next stop would be Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, whatever works, right? Exactly. exactly. Um, so, you know, that's a very, very interesting question. And, um, and I'm so glad that you brought that up, Mac, because sitting from the HR side of things, this is something that I believe not only from an HR side, but just from a business um, operations position itself has taken the, the business world and the workforce completely off guard. I'm not going to say by storm. I'm going to say more so off guard because we weren't prepared. Um, we were this this unfortunate um, pandemic, you know, came through like a storm and uh, businesses were forced to close their doors immediately without any type of transition for their workers. Everyone was pushing to this huge remote workforce. And unfortunately, all of that led to um, the high unemployment that we have right now. Um, unfortunately, people even losing their jobs and businesses closing their doors permanently right now due to the economic fallout from this. So it has had um, definite, um, some really um, pretty um, bad effects. Um, but what workers and employers are focusing upon. So workers are thinking about, okay, when are we going to be able to return to the workforce? When are businesses going to reopen? Um, and then employers are thinking about, okay, how do I prepare my business? How do we prepare our workplace to reopen? They have a lot of responsibility because responsibility um, falls upon the business to ensure that they going that going forward they create a safe and risk an, an exposure free environment as much as possible. There are several guidelines that have to be followed. They have to follow the CDC guidelines. They have to follow OSHA guidelines. They have to think about. PPPE equipment where it may be required, depending upon where their state, where they're located in varying states, what the job is, what the job tasks are. Um, so there's a whole, there's just a whole mesh of things that they have to start considering. And what's going to happen is how uh, employers prepare now. That's what's going to be going forward. I uh, believe even in September. And through the fall, I believe the latest report relating to COVID-19 was that they were expecting a resurgence of this, another outbreak to be even far worse than what, what we've experienced currently. So now employers have to think about, okay, preparing for that. So what does that mean? That means putting together a pandemic emergency response plan, an infectious disease plan, um, looking at all your policies as relates to remote work, as relates to data security, tech security. How did all those things look like? And how do you implement those things so that you are prepared if this were to happen again? Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we've seen the end of this. Um, this is going as the stay at home orders even continue right now in varying states. I know for Maryland, we're still at a stay at home order um, through May. And I know for some other states, they're at stay at home orders through June. That means those workplaces are not going to be opening up very soon either. So we're going as we go further into the summer, we're coming into the fall. Um, 
The worker is now going to be thinking about how to prepare. So there's there are a lot of protocols to that. They have to prepare their building. They have to establish social distance plans. They have to think about their control access as relates to temperature checks and screenings. Um, they had to reduce touch points and increase their cleaning schedules. And they had to prepare the workforce. And also, more importantly, they've got to think about who they're going to return. Um, when you think about it, there's been a series of uh, workers who have been laid off. There have been furloughs. How do you return those people? How do you make the decision to return those people? And you want to make sure that you don't put yourself into any type of liability or discrimination um, scenarios on making uh, improper decisions on how you return furloughed or laid off workers. So there's a lot there. Um, Matt, that we could talk for like three or four hours. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just, as I'm listening, I started to try to write them down. I can't even keep up with you. And yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just a small percentage of what we think we know. So, I mean, that's, that's the part that concerns me. Yolanda, were you, you were in the DC area at 9-11, weren't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, that was the closest thing I've ever experienced to something that we never really saw coming. And we had to sort of adapt on the fly. And so I flew, I think, about a week after 9-11. I was working at Holy Cross Hospital over in Silver Spring, and we had to go to some conference in Chicago. And yeah, it was very different. But then, you know, you start to see as we start getting our arms around the problem that there would be some new thing that would pop up. Like there was that guy that tried to light his shoes on fire. So then we have to take our shoes off. And then there's some guy that says we can mix little chemicals and make a bomb. So now we go to little three ounces. And then some moron tries to light his underwear on fire. So it's like every time we get a handle on it, something new pops up and we ad adapt. From your perspective, is this how this is going to go? Are we going to have a plan and then there'll be some weird thing that flies in and we adjust to that too? You know, Matt, that's a very interesting question. And... I'm going to break that up into two parts. 9-11 okay. was just, I remember it as if it was yesterday. Mm. And it, it was it was devastating to everyone. Um, something, again, you know, you, you're leaving your house on your normal work morning, commuting into work, and then here you hear about all these devastating events that are happening almost simultaneously. Um, you know, the, the Twin Towers in New York, the Pentagon, um, then the plane going down outside of um, the area in Pennsylvania that was headed to the White House. I mean, it was it was just a lot to take in at one time. And I think everyone was just in a state of complete shock. Um, and again, that put businesses into a position of not knowing how to prepare, not knowing how to respond, not knowing how to react. I remember the firm I was with that time. At that time, I was uh, working in the Washington D.C. office of a particular firm that had their home office in New York, and um, so their response met that was a little different from ours. Um, I remember that we were our offices closed for just a, a few days. And um, but then when we returned back into Washington, D.C., it was very interesting. The streets were very quiet. There were armored guards on the corners. Um, it was really a very scary time. Um, but then within a 
after a period of time, we kind of bounced back and it was business as normal. Mm-hmm. I don't think COVID-19 is going to allow us to bounce back as quickly. I don't think we're going to be able to look at the workplace and even in our personal day-to-day as business as normal and as day-to-day as normal. Because I think what COVID-19 has done is that it's put us, unfortunately, into this state of fear. And when you're in a state of fear, you're going to always act on the air of caution because you don't want to you know, be afraid and you don't want something to happen to you. So from the workforce uh, standpoint, you know, in, employers now have to think about how, because there there's a certain line of responsibility that they have for the safety of their workers. So now that has to be at the forefront and it can't be at the forefront temporarily. It has to be consistent and sustainable. And so now they have to now look at plans. And as I'm going to reference back to um, a, a pandemic emergency preparedness plan, because that plan is going to allow them to not only have sustainable efforts, sustainable controls, but also be able to be prepared if something else were to happen again. Um, and in that, in in our personal lives, we're now taking already the necessary precautions. We're now being more cognizant of things that we touch. Um, you know how we handle ourselves out in the marketplace. Um, and I recall before I went into a grocery store and before the the six foot cues were marked on the floor, um, people were already keeping a distance just because not only of knowing what's on the news feed, but just because of their own concern of their own self-care. And so this, because of the fallout of this, think about it. The effects have been devastating. The deaths behind this have just been unbelievable. The number of people getting sick from this is just countless. And so it has taken us into, you know, we've gone through fear, awareness, back to fear again, uncertainty to now we, we, you know, how do we handle ourselves from a, from a, from our own personal lives from day to day to also how do we handle ourselves in the workplace? Because no one wants to have anything happen to them. And um, and everyone now is going to be very, very careful um, as to how they move going forward. So this has put us into a place where we have to think about sustainable um, protocols and things that would be sustainable in the interest of our of our workers and, and keeping minimizing the risk and minimizing the exposure. What advice would you have to the, because a lot of the people that we work with, they're smaller companies where it might be an HR department of one. Right. And in many cases, you know, they don't have access to a lot of resources. What would you recommend for that? I mean, a larger company is probably going to have a team and maybe a, a, you know, a a council, not probably in-house, but at least one on speed dial. What would you recommend for that small business HR person to start thinking about? Oh my gosh, I would recommend for that small business or that HR one to start connecting with an HR network um, immediately because the resources right now are just incredible. They're great, great, great resources out there right now. Um, I would definitely recommend 
that um, they start looking at sources, various HR sources that are sponsoring free webinars just on these exact things that we're talking about, how to prepare the workforce, how to deal with your remote workers, how to return your workers. Um, there, There's so many resources there that will help them and do step-by-step guides for them. That's incredible. Um, in addition to that, Definitely, you have to refer to the CDC guidelines and refer to OSHA guidelines because OSHA and CDC guidelines are going to help as it relates to preparing the workplace. Um, Yes, it's more challenging um, to work as an HR person of one. And um, and it's even more, it's even challenging when you have a cross-functional team because you have a larger work uh, force of workers to to have to be concerned about. Um, In the smaller business, you might be able to move a little bit faster in some of your processes and implication of your protocols because it is small and you may have a smaller um, workforce. But all of it is all the same. You know, everyone has the same um, mission, and that is to minimize um, the the risk and minimize the exposure. Regardless of the size, the mission stays the same. Regardless of the size, the CDC guidelines are going to advise you on best practices for your workers. OSHA is going to advise you on best practices for your workers. But again, also adhering to your state and local and federal guidelines as well, um, because there are instances where some side where sides does come into play, but not when we're talking about just pure basic safety protocols um, to ensure a healthy workplace and a safe workplace. Yeah, I guess if you're an HR department of one, you I guess you want to go to the coalition of HR professionals. I you know. It seems to me that that is one of the tighter communities and more than ever, it seems like this is the time to really unite as a team because mm-hmm. you are finally going to get the seat you've always wanted. And I think what employers are probably most afraid of is where are they going to get themselves in trouble? I mean, we live down here in Tennessee. And so every night on the news, you get the personal injury lawyers that run their ads but the, the biggest thing we hear on the ads is, you know, were you injured in a semi-accident? Because we're near I-40, which is one of the big thoroughfares for semi-trucks. Right. So let's let's project, and I don't want to give anybody any ideas, but <laughs> where do you see potential litigation happening as a result of COVID-19 from mainly an employer perspective? Um, I see potential uh, litigation happening with uh, discrimination claims on uh, em- employers making decisions on who they bring back to work. Um, you, you know, they, they have to be careful in looking at and saying, okay, we're going to bring back this group, this age group of workers versus this age group of workers, because then you're possibly getting into age discrimination claims. Um, looking at your vulnerable population, um, you're looking at which could which includes your older workers. Um, you want to be very, very careful as to how you evaluate and assess what groups and what workers you bring back. So you have to look at the critical missions of your business and look at your critical mission and your essential um, business operations to really help in making those terminations. And that's when I would highly recommend you keep HR part of the process and you also keep your legal team and or advisors as part of the process. Um, You're going to have 
is wage and hour claims potentially because of telework. You're going to have those who are going to decide, well, um, you know, this has been nice and I want to continue doing this. And so I want to continue teleworking. And if they, if your business is, does not allow them to continue teleworking now that they have reopened and, and you have met all the guidelines of, of having a very safe and, and hopefully risk um, an exposure-free environment, and you're able to bring back those those workers, and that worker just decides they want to just telework, then you have to be prepared to deal with the response because their position is going to be, well, I've been teleworking now for two to three months. Why can I continue? And you have to be prepared with a clear response as to why it's time for them to return back to work. You want to think about reasonable accommodations. Um, and as it relates to telework again, and also as it relates to face coverings, the PPPE equipment, um, what is going to be your organization's position on allowing workers to wear the PPPE equipment um, if they're going to have to provide their own? Um, again, that's a very sensitive area because some organizations, depending upon in the operations and depending upon the job tasks and also depending upon where they're located by geographic location, you may be required by OSHA guidelines to provide your workers with the proper PPPE equipment. Um, so it's important to, to use those guidelines with OSHA as a guidance for that. You also may look at claims for temperature checks. And, um, and screenings as those things can take place, um, but determining how you're going to do it, who's going to do it, and how those decisions are going to be made. Um, in addition to that, you want to make sure that if you do decide to do temperature checks, that you have the right protocols in place. You have a person in place who is trained and understands the symptoms, knows the appropriate questions to ask, and knows how to maintain the confidentiality if someone, let's say, is infected and, and has arrived into the workplace and, and, and surpasses the threshold of the temperature check, um, and knowing how to, to, um, have to manage that individual in terms of maintaining their confidentiality. Um, so there's a whole lot there. Um, as it relates to litigation that in, employers could potentially face. And so, again, it's very important to keep up with the guidelines um, and what is happening and the changing guidelines. You also want to pay attention to your leave policies and understanding how to implement your leave, what leaves run concurrently, um, and how policies um, relate to um, the, the FERCA Act as it relates to allowing people the time off either to care for themselves or to care for a family member um, who's affected by COVID-19. So it's all of those things um, that could be, there's like those juggling balls, so to speak, that could be potential litigation issues. God, that whole thing's just one giant pain in the ass, Yolanda. <laughs> If you think about it, right? I mean, I thought I had problems. Now I know I got more problems. And and I guess I'm saying that seriously, mm-hmm. but I think it's important that we wrestle with it because for every potential problem, I'm sure there's somebody thinking of a way they're going to get over on a, on a thing. Oh, absolutely. Is, is the, really the key here knowing what you can and can't do and then communicating Clearly, because I'm thinking about my mom. My mom is 84. She lives in Frederick and she she still works full time in Mm -hmm. Frederick. 
her boss, you know, asked her to go home and work from home and they're paying her and they even bring her work to do. And, you know, she loves being in the office, but she's like, you know, I'm just grateful to have a job. I mean, they did it, I think, for the right reasons. And if they hadn't, I would have called her boss and said, hey, you know, my mom is the most vulnerable here. But I mean, is the communication around that the best way? Because if my mom was wanting to be really mean, she could say, well, my boss sent me home because I'm old, which I mean, if we're honest, that's why he sent you home, mom. But I would not say that to her. She's vulnerable. <laughs> well, I mean, to avoid from going into, you know, the details of that in a broader um, response to your question, um, communication is the key to that and ensuring that your policies are clear and transparent. And and again, it goes back to who making those right decisions in vulnerable populations as to who returns to work and who stays at home. And so that's when you're going to, I would advise having relying upon your legal advisors or you know, your legal team to help you kind of weed through that type of process because you have to be very careful because of the example that you just gave. Um, and there are workers there who would be considered in those vulnerable populations who are going to want to come back to work. And then there are going to be some employers who want to say, well, no, you can stay home and continue teleworking, but we're going to allow this group to come back. So, you know, who's of a younger age group. So you, again, you, you have to be careful uh, when making those decisions. And communication is the key. When you're going to make the decision as to who returns to work, who stays at home, you have to outline the rationale behind that. You have to outline the reasons for that. And they should be based upon your critical mission, your business essential operational needs. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like the smart way to play it. And you know, I'm I'm just decided as we were talking that I'm going to actually launch this one on my Boss Builder podcast, too, because I think a lot of managers probably have no clue of all this stuff. They just assume when it's over with, we'll just do what we want. This is my company. I can do what I want. But there is a lot to consider here. And so, you know, if you're listening to this today and you're a manager, I would really encourage you to partner with your HR team and get them the resources they need. They are here to watch your back. And those of you that are HR professionals, please find resources and band together. This is your time to shine. Exactly. Exactly. It takes everyone. Again, it takes that cross-functional team to really uh, create um the work, the work uh, space to be what it should be for reopening and to be transparent on how you bring your workers back. Everyone is operating in, in this place of uncertainty. Um, the regs change daily. Um, the guidelines sometimes um, are changing based upon conditions and, and new findings with COVID-19. Um, we've seen that happen with, with just the symptoms um, the symptoms have have changed in various ways, um, and they've seemed to increase um, in recognizing some of the symptoms as what was initially learned. Uh, so I think you really have to have a maintain a pulse of what's going on. You have to have a very strong team who is mining the field, so to speak, um, in every aspect someone who's looking at the guidelines, who's looking at the federal and the state guidelines every day um, and understanding how those changes will affect um, your workforce. 
and um, and knowing what to do going forward. So it's very, very, it's a very delicate um, time right now. But right now, it's also a time to pay attention to all the details because the details are what's important. Well, then let's... Uh, now that I'm thoroughly depressed, let's let's have a little fun as we wind this down. Okay, so, so, so Yolanda, it is uh, it's ten years from now. You are the keynote speaker at National Sherm, and okay. it's going to be. Hey, well, let's make it really fun. It's going to be held in downtown New York City. Oh, at, that's okay, great! Okay, pick the biggest venue. You're the keynote speaker. Um, uh, in fact, you know your backup was Brene Brown. But they said, now we've heard enough of her. And we don't want Simon Sinek either. We want Yolanda Hunter. Okay. Awesome. That's a Yeah, that's it. I mean, we're having fun. So you're you're the keynote, and your keynote speech is how HR saved the day in 2020. What are what are the what would be the key points that you would bring up that that caused HR to save the day? We we did better than Dr. Fauci. We did better. <laughs> We're, we are the ones that saved the world. So, so tell us what happened. What's your uh, what's your opening line? Mac, I can't even begin with an opening <laughs> line <laughs> because you put me up against Dr. Fauci. No way. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, we we're talking about organizational and business health here, not just human health. So, what what did HR do to save the day? Well, you know, HR did what I have always believed that HR does best. HR paid attention to the human aspect of this. And the reason why I say that is because quite some time ago when I was starting off in my career, and ironically, I was at this time period, I was working with a firm in New York. And I'll never forget my office administrator. She said to me, um, she said, Yolanda, she said, I want you to always remember in human resources, the word human. And this was like, oh my God, again, I'm not going to tell my age, just let's just say many, many years ago. And it was, and it never left me because she's right. Um, your policies, when you're building out, when you look at human resources, when you look at the operational side, the strategic side, you everyone, there's one central point. You're dealing with workers. You're dealing with your employees. You're dealing with people. And so... In that capacity, you have to make sure that people within their employee employment life cycle of their business, that they are performing at their best, they have their tools to perform at their best, policies are designed to protect the company as well as to protect the employee. Um, and so and, and, and plans and benefits and, and, and awards and things are put in place to award performance, to award employees. You have performance improvement plans because you want to see people do better. So I say all that to say that human resources is extremely important because it focuses upon that human side of the workforce. It focuses upon the employees. It focuses upon how do we make them feel valued? How do we make them feel that they are part of the team? What do we have to do to increase resources to make them better performers? What do we have to do to make them feel that they are a part of our vision and our goal? Because without them, you can't have it. Um, so when I look at where we are now, 
and thinking about all those things that now we have to focus upon. And I'm going to take it a step back. Um, when COVID-19 first hit in, in a very rapid manner and businesses were shutting down and everyone was immediately going to that remote work style, there was an immediate attention upon how to effectively deal with your remote workers. And that was placed upon HR. That was placed upon human resources. Everyone was looking at human resources. I know within my team and within my within my group of HR um, professionals, we connect on a weekly basis. And there was always an exchange of ideas of, okay, what can we do creative this week to, to connect with our workers, um, to make them feel that they're connected, to ensure that their mental health, their well-being is, is still intact, to make sure that they're being productive. What can we do? And, and so... You had that focus, and um, because you you not only were responsible to ensuring that people were performing, but you also wanted to make sure that basically they were okay, um, because those who were not who had never worked remotely before were now thrusted into this, and they were put into positions like all of us, of course, where you can't leave your home, and for many, trying to balance you know, the day-to-day along with the personal responsibilities, caring for children, caring for elders in their homes. And so it's been a very interesting balance. HR has been looked upon to say, okay, how do we help them manage that balance? How do we help them maintain their their sanity and their and mental health as we're all going through this? So HR stepped in. HR focused upon mental health. HR focused upon policies, HR focused upon communications and making sure those communications were clear, making sure those communications um, were transparent. HR focused upon the training aspects um, of how we were to bring the workers back into the workplace and what workers needed to know. Um, HR focused upon the workforce and um, in addition, and worked collaboratively with with operations and facilities on the workplace. So I, I, I don't know if I would say the HR swooped in with the cape and saved the day. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you're saying, and I I have to agree. I mean, right now that you hear that in the background, that's the applause. Hear it? <laughs> Everybody's on their feet right now. I think I'm even going to stand up. How's that? <laughs> But it's but you know, Mac, I, I appreciate that. But it's true. I mean, you human resources. It's, it's it's about your workers. It's about your employees. It's about you know because if you think about it, I know for me the experience has been you know you're dealing with you know the employees that have the performance issues to the ones who are great. How do we keep them? Um, and then you're dealing with. Uh, the um, elevation of the business. You're dealing with, okay, what do we have to do to enhance, you know, our workforce? What things should we do to ensure that we are bringing in top people? How do we ensure that um, our compensation is equitable? Um, How do we ensure that we are also meeting guidelines as it relates to our recruitment, as it relates to our hiring, um, to ensure that we are, um, you know, promoting and uh, practices of, of equal opportunity employment. Um, you know, it's it's all of those things um, that 
all it boils down to is dealing effectively with with the people of your workforce and then externally dealing with people um, outside of your workforce who want to come into your business and um, and knowing how to uh, to work with those individuals from an from across the organization from and down and up down the organization. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, I'll tell you what, if you are a manager or a business owner listening today, I, I don't know if you ever realized what a goldmine you had in your HR department, but please start appreciating them. And if you're an HR professional, this is the time to shine. And uh, if you don't know the answers to many of the things that Yolanda brought us today, it's time to get busy looking at them. So Yolanda, how can the audience reach out to you and find out more about what you do and about Workplace HR? Oh, great. I'm glad you asked. Um, it's really simple. Um, they can reach out to me at yhunter at Workplace HR. Um, I respond to my emails very quickly. And um, and so and I would greatly appreciate that. I welcome any and all questions at any given time. And of course, reaching out to the law firm of Fortney Scott, um, again, you know, I will go back to the fact that Fortney Scott, a woman-owned law firm that is has nationally recognized attorneys and Workplace HR is the affiliate. And we really work in a collaborative manner um, on various issues. Um, they have the legal side. I have the HR side. So it, it works in tandem together. And that's really how um, businesses, as it relates to HR, as it relates to your people, as it relates to um, various components of your business, you always want to have that a strong legal team and or advisors that you can consult with um, and then have HR as well um, as a seat at the table to help bring about the perspective of dealing of how it affects the workplace, how it can affect um, the workers, because it's very important to have that perspective um, and understand how the two work together. Well, Yolanda, thank you so much for spending time with us today and really helping us see where we ought to be shining the flashlight and mm -hmm. also where we can get some answers. We are grateful for what you bring to our businesses and the field of HR. Oh, thank you, Matt. It has been an absolute pleasure, and I greatly appreciate this opportunity um, to spend with you. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm -hmm.